0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the P.H. is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Uh, I'm in like, I I, I don't want to say HD, but I got a new (laughs) webcam. Uh, And although it is better, I'm still recording a Zoom overlay. So it's probably probably not the best, but maybe I look a little different.
1: No, I think Uh, it looks good.
0: I recorded a video the other day. And found out that the 60 frames per second does not match up with the 29.7 frames that my audio was synced to. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of problems, but I fixed that in OBS after recording an entire video that I now can't use. Uh, (laughs) I I re-recorded it, but it's all good. Um, Yeah, it is a wider angle. I need to maybe like bring it in a little bit more. I'm still tweaking the settings, but um, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. It's fun to have new toys to play with, I guess oh god yes yes. so uh (laughs) hi lucian how are you doing
1: pretty good pretty good i realize there's a lot going on in the uh jordan household so we're glad you're here with us this morning i was almost tweeting out hey might be a a late show might be a but (laughs) poor poor jordan jr not not feeling so well. so we are all
0: pulling for him the little boy is uh he's he's got he's got a cold or something and uh he does not want to keep food down. So we're, we're working on that. And literally, mm-hmm. like minutes before we were about to go live, I had to run upstairs and help with some stuff. But yeah, yeah. he's going to go And if down he has to end. run
1: again today, everybody be ready for that. Yeah. We'll just, I'll cover <laughs> yeah. for anything I hear like that. If he's I'll got have to go, take off. he'll but go. <laughs> that's all good.
0: Um, excellent. So what did I so,
1: DD News, Saturday morning stuff. There's so much we got in yeah. our notes. It's crazy.
0: Uh, Mr. Silver Boulay in the chat, uh, who may or may not be on our show next week. I didn't talk to you about mm. this, Lucian, but, uh, friend, uh, who we played Special the OSE game with, um, Silver, he's wants to, he's like, can I be on the show? And I was like, yeah. So I was like, not tomorrow. Cause I don't yeah. have any overlays set up or anything. <laughs> and I got a sick kid, but maybe, absolutely. so we're going to figure <laughs> this out. Um, so it's the preview week starting Monday for D&D, so celebration. D&D celebration
1: 2021. I just saw that. I didn't I yeah. didn't even know that. Um, and d d until... celebration
0: starts uh Thursday, Friday.
1: From what we understood, yeah. there was like a session 0 Thursday, but the actual okay. event is Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
0: Yeah. So I don't but know. But then what... they
1: announced like a whole week of stuff that they're doing.
0: Yeah. I don't know what exactly is happening other than maybe they're doing some like Twitter leaks. Well, let me um, because oh yeah. So you sent me this website and it says, "Hey, this is the early previews," um, uh-huh. and then it's just a bunch of people's Twitter pages. Uh, ah, so, so are they going doing... to tweet out like videos and stuff, kind of like they did last time? Like where it's like, yeah, hey, I here's think they're my working
1: preview. with community members yeah. to showcase the three books. They're going. Sh- there's going to be yeah. some that have been picked. There's a list um, in the tweet that I saw that had. Um, a list for Fizzbins, there was a list for Witchlight, and then there was a list for um, Strixhaven. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they
1: picked different people out of, the, and these all seem like community people, people we recognize that we talk to on Twitter, might have YouTube pages, might be Twitch streamers. Um, yeah. All so seem to be, you know, influencers within the the community.
0: Yeah. Gabe Hicks, I know. Uh, Ginny D yeah. I know. Uh, Trisha Hirschberger, She does a lot of... Media events like, uh, like mm-hmm. nerd event thingies, um, yeah. and then I was like, "Oh, Ms. Magitek, and she's she's a fun person." So I was yeah. I wasn't surprised, but I was just like, "Oh, somebody like I actually know a little bit." <laughs> I was like, "That's kind of cool." And yeah. then going down even further, uh, Unmade Gaming, who's been on our yeah, show I'm a couple tonight. times, and <laughs> who specifically does non-D&D content I'm like why are you revealing Strixhaven but I was like I, if I was in his position I wouldn't say no either I'd be like yeah, oh yeah no. I, I'll do a video or something yeah. um so I don't know I'm curious about what they're all gonna do but yeah so Wednesday uh Magic the Gathering Nerd Girl uh yeah I don't know Voxy
1: but Unmade so Gaming the only is the thing I, I can think of is that they just contacted them and said hey here's a preview of these books yeah, pick yeah. pick some parts. Probably mm-hmm. they probably not like a full flip through, but like pick a part that interests you. And if you could showcase that on your channel, we'll advertise it. You'll get to advertise it. You get to see something new. Mm-hmm. And in in that way, I could see wizards thinking everybody wins, right? You know, so yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You get your audience to. to check in to something new, and honestly and it's free advertising. Early. Uh, yeah, well, free advertising
0: yeah well maybe they're paying them i have no idea but yeah. uh if they're they're a lot of companies now have done that where they're seeking out like oh you have an audience like i want you to do something for my
1: mm-hmm. or for
0: my product to talk to your audience mm-hmm. and uh a lot of times those stars align like this where a lot of these people are yeah. in the D community and it's like i'm already following you but now yeah, is yeah, another so reason to follow to you you know <laughs> yeah, So yeah uh, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll see I what think, they're like on Monday. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think for influencers, there's certain people that could reach out to you, and, and you would say, hell yeah, I will do free advertising for you, because I just love you anyways, right? So like, uh, if MCDM reached out to the Saturday Morning Whoa. D&D show, we'd be like, sure, we could do an hour-long show about all the stuff that's cool at, <laughs> at
0: your place. Matt, we love you, Matt. <laughs> uh, please, that's Lucian. He does not speak for everybody at the <laughs> yes. Saturday Morning D&D show. Okay. The one Um, half of the show loves you, Matt. (laughs) But, yeah, and then uh, other news is that it's Gen Con, too. And, Lucian, you sent me a frantic text, like, a while ago. You're like, so tickets are cheap. Should I just drive down there? And now you're not. We know know this. But what what was the story behind that? Just, like, last minute, like, why not go? An email popped
1: in my email box on Sunday. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, they couldn't possibly be selling tickets to Gen because I would have figured that it was one of those events where you have to sign up early and they're limiting it and there wouldn't be enough. And so I wasn't keeping an eye on it at all. I was just kind of kind of fell off my radar because I decided not to go. Yeah. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. What this email makes it sound like there's they're selling tickets. So I go to the website. Wait a minute. They are selling tickets. Wait a minute, there's still stuff going on. I checked the hotels. All the hotels around the place have openings. Oh, yeah. That never happens yeah. at Gen Con, right? And so the one hotel I wanted to be in every time I go to Gen Con is this one that sits off to the east side of the convention center, has a walkway across it. Mm-hmm. And in one area, they call it the, um, it's like a metro station. And then it's a part of the hotel, the plaza, the Crown Plaza. But they have this whole rail of train cars that have been redone into rooms. Yeah, that's funny. And when I walked by there one year, I was like, I'm going to be staying in one of these when I go to a Gen Con. Those rooms are open. There's some you can get right now. So I'm sitting there Sunday, had a huge fight with my wife about going to a convention during (laughs) the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) because all of a sudden i got i was like i could go i could just Mm -hmm. drive down because it's only three hours for me so it's not like i'm let's get plane ticket you know even though she's like you spent all this money you're going to a pandemic where all these people are going to be that are unvaccinated i'm like well she doesn't quite understand that the gamer groups are a little bit more liberal leaning than than the non-liberal well, I so I don't know. I don't know if you know that at all.
0: Maybe not. Maybe they're not. Gen Con is taking precautions. But
1: I don't know. I don't know about the attendees. But they're all wearing masks. They all have multiple masks. So I assume these are the types of people that are not avoiding the vaccine but i could be wrong there could be all kinds of different people at yeah. uh, gen con i just
0: got the impression that it was more i just read about some discussion. article about a guy who got kicked out of gen con uh yeah before sure. he even could like go to it like they escorted yeah. him out and i was like oh. gone. <laughs> so uh it happens uh i i personally am okay that i didn't go um mm-hmm. i well, was really sad i was really missing there. it well, Ted is there, yeah. Ted is there. Um, but I went and I saw a lot of the pictures of people waiting to get into the area, and it is mm-hmm. far less crowded than I have ever that seen. Was the Gen other Con. reason I wanted to go because it would be um, so less crowded? But it was still like that's a lot of people, and then it just is. thinking about like let's sit at a table and play games, and I'm like, mm, I don't really play games with a lot of you all the time, so yeah. And with for me, I have to on. fly, and I wasn't super keen on flying either, so no. no. But so I don't know. I Next year. <laughs> I had a, I had a moment of weakness. I almost pulled the trigger.
1: At the end of it, my wife's like, you know what? Just go. We can't we can't live in fear. We have our vaccines. Well, I'll come back and I'll quarantine so she doesn't get sick if something happens. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I want to go, but I don't have to go. I really don't have to go. Yeah. So I decided not to.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. And, and now uh, uh, we can have this wonderful show with a, a barking dog in the background. It's great. Barking dog. <laughs> uh, so... We we kind of have been talking about Witchlight and how we're both like meh, like yeah. I don't know, like I don't want to I don't want to uh, dumb down the product or anything, uh, but I was like I think I can pass on this one. Mm-hmm. Then uh, they started releasing these Chris Perkins videos where he's talking about it, and the amount of like. And, and I love a Chris Perkins adventure. Like, you know this. And But, like, the amount of uh, maybe just joy or excitement, he's kind of like, and then this, and, like, I think this is really cool. Like, you can tell that this was a product he loves and has been working on for a while and is really excited for, more so than a lot of the other stuff I think he's worked on in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this was originally supposed to come out earlier, but because of the Baldur's Gate video game, they kind of rushed out Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, or like redid the beginning so they could call it Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus to have that tie. Mm -hmm. And uh, in one of the interviews I watched, he was like, well, we had to tie that in, which is why we weren't able to do Witchlight. So, you know, but we've been working... Anyway, it was like a a little subtle kind of like, he dropped that and then moved on, but I was like, oh, this is like, you've been wanting to tell this story for a long time, (laughs) and and you haven't been able to, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm a little. I'm really interested in it from a from a design standpoint, and I really kind of want to. I don't know if I'll pick it up. I'll I'll get it on D and D Beyond because mm-hmm. I have like five DMs who have all of the content and then share it with me once it's available. Everybody buys it, yeah. Uh, but so I'll I'll either read it there. Uh, we'll see if I pick up a hard book or not. But I I don't know. Uh, I'm rethinking this adventure, and I was like, this could be a lot of fun. So. Uh, right.
1: well, I know Twitter <laughs> talked about it quite a bit. Um, the the D and D Twitter main Twitter the ch- the blue check mark Twitter account put out a couple of tweets about what do you think about non combat adventures and a bunch of people weighed in about <laughs> how D and D is a combat centric game but they're going to put out a non combat <laughs> adventure. Mm. So they got you know they got some really mixed reviews there. A lot of people weighed in uh, left or right and. It did bring up, I think, an interesting discussion about how people solve problems in role-playing games and what tools do they have to solve the problems, right? So, yeah. it, I mean, in a, I think both sides had valid points, even though they were both just defending what they thought were the opposite sides that were fighting. But to me, they were just both right, but it was still okay. Mm. <laughs> you know It's okay to be right and not be on opposite. We're not hitting each other on opposite sides. We're just, you know, we're just mentioning different pieces. And I thought it was a very interesting kind of conversation to have where you might say, like, Kids on Bikes has a lot of tools to handle RP situations or situations that don't need combat. Yeah. And D&D has a lot of – everything is centric. I mean, if you're playing – I think the big one I kept seeing is, like, if I'm playing a barbarian character – and I'm never going to swing a weapon, what in my barbarian character is going to help me during that adventure? I'm just playing a person who talks at that point, And that's not a class. That's a person who's reasoning and talking through things. It's not a barbarian, right? Not it's a and class, I
0: should say. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not a, I got a two handed ax. you can tell me I'm not going to use it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, and I get it. But then I also get the, you know, the kind of the, the idea that people are saying, well, you know, we don't have to resolve all our problems with violence. Okay. Yeah, I get that too. I mean, you want to, you can explore different ways to tackle. And I think to encourage dungeon masters, I think what came out of a lot of that discussion is, well, you always could try to do a non-combat solution. The only one that's kind of stopped you is if the DM just made it so there's only one solution. If you start to suggest a non-combat alternative... And your DM kind of starts to roll with it. It doesn't have to be easy, but it's an option. Then mm-hmm. it's in any adventure. You know, it could be dragon on the mount. We could have went through the whole thing, and maybe we negotiated with, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the kobolds in the mountain. Maybe, you know, maybe the Roper would negotiate. Maybe I, I guess we would have to fight the Roper no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: yeah I I don't know. Uh, We've talked about this before, and I I like combat. Kind and uh, I have been in a couple of D&D sessions with uh, DMs as a player. So mm-hmm. me as a player, I've been in these sessions. And there are times where it's like we did an entire game without a single piece of combat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I view that as like, oh, like, I, I like fighting. I like using mm-hmm. my cool spells. I like doing all kinds of weird maneuvers and things like that. Yeah. Uh and then their interpretation was like, wasn't that the coolest session? Like no combat. Like, man, we were we were role playing so hard. And I'm like, well, that's yeah, that's fine. Uh but and I'm I'm gonna probably get some flack for saying this, <laughs> D is not a good role playing yeah. system. It's a good kind of like fantasy combat simulator adventure builder thing. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want like really awesome roleplay, there are lots of other things to recommend, which is kind of going full circle with, uh, you know, uh, Z, uh, who does the animated spellbook YouTube videos. He did a video on Blades in the Dark, and then that spawned Colville to do a video mm-hmm. about uh, a bunch of a. Uh, 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 I think it's a Star Wars. Oh, it was Warhammer 40k. Yeah, he's talking system. about a new dice system. Um, which I like and how he's I really like, did. I like this, but like you wouldn't necessarily do this for this. And so, uh, yeah. it, it's it's interesting because I I'm like I like I like combat. Uh, my Tuesday mm-hmm. game, we ended up doing an entire session where we were basically exploring and trying to figure out our next move, and mm-hmm. that whole game had zero combat. And mm-hmm. then the DM was like, I'm sorry, I know some of you guys like combat. And uh, his wife was just like, yeah, I'm kind of only here for that. And she was just like, he's like, I'm sorry. But sometimes it doesn't flow into a fight. So I understand that. But uh, but D&D's base rules were set on going into a dungeon and Mm -hmm. finding traps and things that would attack you, you know? So it's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, there's no
1: reason to roll a class if we're going to do a heist that has no combat in it. Like, we're going to do an Ocean's Eleven campaign. And we're like, everybody's on board. That sounds cool. And you're like... Well, what classes are we going to play? Well, we don't need those because you don't need barbarian abilities. You don't need ranger abilities. You don't need, you know, we can have skills, yeah. but we don't need, you know, how is rage? Attack damage. help you Be sneaky. We don't need something. rage. Yeah. You know, some of the spell casting will help us, but, so, you know, uh, I don't
0: know. Uh, kind of it's interesting. I, I think, especially playing a, a melee fighter kind of a person, those role play ones were a little harder for me to jump in. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. Like, as a wizard, I always felt like I had cool things I could do in certain situations. And
1: I feel like it's two extremes, right? Mm -hmm. I think if you have too much of one or too much of the other, you're missing out. I think you need the mix, right? You need some of the RP stuff and some of the cool character development stuff and, and conversations with NPCs and villains and villagers and whatever. But then you also need to clash swords and roll dice and use cool abilities that you've been waiting to unlock since level three, because you finally got it, and like now I can finally hold my holy yeah. symbol up, and I can turn undead for that first time. You know, you're waiting for those moments to use those abilities because as you were building that character, you got super excited when you thought when Joshe got this ability. I can't wait to unleash it yeah. on some bad dude, right? How you know, did we get on waiting. this
0: conversation again?
1: Was it the pacifist <laughs> well, Twitter, mode? Or... Yeah, yeah. Twitter yeah. had, because Witchlight, Witchlight when yes. Perkins has been putting out a bunch of videos this week about, hey, we spent a lot of time about creating a whole adventure or campaign, he kept using the different words, and you can get through the whole thing with no combat. Yeah. So and there, yeah, because I saw that. There's a pacifist A lot mode. of yeah.
0: Twitter chatter about it so yeah. then i thought it was an interesting discussion to have and, and kind of bring yeah it up, so. and i i think that would be fun i don't know there's i played through uh undertale without any combat i did the pacifist mode or whatever through that because mm-hmm. i was curious how it worked but i uh, definitely need to approach your or your players need to have an understanding that that's what they're going for i think because mm-hmm. there's going to be that person who's like well then i i don't want to be the barbarian you know yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so and I could see an adventure like that but could you see like a like like well, let's say that when they release Storm King's Thunder this is an adventure from 1 to 16 and they said in this entire adventure you can get through the whole thing 1 to 16 no combat. Okay? 2 years of a campaign no combat. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't see, know. See, it's I think that's where the difference comes in. If it's an adventure or it's a session or two, and it makes sense. Then okay, I'm going to roll mm. with it. I'm not going to argue that you know we have to fight. But if you're going to tell me we're going to go from one to sixteen over a two year campaign, and we're going to span the Sword Coast, and we're never going to fight, I don't. I don't think D and is that game, right? <laughs> that's not the. Well, not the and, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I guess that
0: that's not your fantasy that you're trying to spend your time on. I mean, it could be. Uh, I guess we're focusing on the non combat part. But, right. like, I mean, lots of people have fun in different ways. And so if you are that person that's, like, I really want to embody my character and do da 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 like, I... And we can make the argument to say, I think you're playing the wrong game, and you need to play New <laughs> uh, Numenera, or you need to play all these other ones uh, call a Cthulhu, because you don't want to necessarily like fight the monster. You want to s- outsmart it. And I was like, okay, I can get around that. Uh, but if you just love the sword coast and want to go explore the sword coast and not have a lot of combat, I don't know. I guess you could do that. Well, that's I, the I setting. wouldn't want to play that game, but that's, that's me. the setting that <laughs> I think, I think the analogy would be, I planned
1: out a cleric or maybe not a cleric. I planned out a fighter champion. One to fifteen. I know all the abilities I'm going to take. I know all the feats I'm going to take, but I'm not going to use those in this one to 15
0: 2 two-year campaign. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I, and I
0: think there are groups that are out there. Which light is love not? It. Which light's Some one people. to eight? So yeah, not a two-year campaign. And does and that, well, I think if you don't it. have combat, it's going to go by even faster. <laughs> so. <laughs> could be (laughs) so I thought it was interesting and I'm not saying there's a
1: right or a wrong answer there's a right answer for you because it's whatever you like so for me I want combat I need combat it wouldn't work so well for me but I'm not just the only target audience so I get that I'm I'm also
0: I'm also afraid that we're going to run into uh the author of Witchlight put a very particular way to have not combat and then it's this like i have to Rail guess run. what the author is thinking yeah. more than a natural non-combat solution comes up and that mm-hmm. might be uh that might be not applicable like maybe we haven't read it yet i don't know yeah, I don't exactly know. what it is but uh that's my fear is that these danger. pacifist mode players that want to want to attempt the entire adventure without any combat the whole th- the whole point of the game will be trying to figure out what the author, what's the loophole that the author put in. Yeah. Um, now, this is also uh, very wild to me, because usually it's like if you trick them into saying something, it turns into a weird uh, contract, a Fey magical contract, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, now you can't hurt me and you have to help me. And it's yeah. like, oh, they outsmarted me. So I like that aspect of it. Uh, we'll have to see, but like, in the end, I want to hey, fight Victor. things. If it's D and D, I want to fight things. So thanks for subscribing.
1: Yeah, well, and I think like like when you said Alice in Wonderland didn't necessarily have to go around punching and pulling a sword to get through her adventures in Wonderland, right? So yeah, I do get that. Um, there's there, and me and you played a fantastic game that had very little combat in it, and I loved it, which was that Monsters Heart game we played. And I got to play the Amazon driver. I mean, I played the most basic. Oh, yeah. But that that system's very designed for not combat, though. So when I think of that, that's what I think of. I think of a session where we didn't do a lot of combat, but we just had a lot of fun with exploring and investigating and interacting with each other. That session that LB ran was just still one of my favorites. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Really fun characters, quirky characters, doing stuff that was in a normal town. Even though it had a
0: supernatural normal. bent to it. So, yeah, normal. <laughs> With those weird lake vampires. Lake vampires. So, LB, if you're watching or listening, we're still talking about that game. We're still talking about that game. That's a really good game. Uh, so. Super fun. Now, other news, I guess. Oh, uh, God. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So, critical a criti- huge haul. <laughs> critical Role. Oh, uh, gotcha. Unless you wanted to talk about something else. I was going to go to the Pathfinder one, but no. Stan, oh, yeah. Critical well, Role. <laughs> we'll talk about this real quick. So, Critical yeah. Role released their intellectual property... Uh, lawyer thing so that you know, uh, hey, we could come after you if you want to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and this is pretty standard in the world of uh, storytelling and, and brands and stuff like that. You know, Wizards of the Coast has this exact mm-hmm. same thing. I'm not allowed to go out and make uh, Guinevere panther statues and call them. Mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms, Guinevere, Panther statues. And like I'm, them. I'm not allowed and sell them and make a profit. Now, if I want to make something like that, and, and and honestly, if you're if you're hand making this and you've made four of them and you're selling them on Etsy, small chance that someone's going to come after you. But they have to do this so that in a court of law, when there is some, uh, I don't know, like egregious. Well, there's somebody in <laughs> like China or South America or Canada. Yeah. I don't know. Reprinting books. Who's, who's like. I'm going to take all of this ideas and I'm going to make Guinevere figurines in mass and I'm going to sell them to everybody I know, Mm -hmm. uh, on a website, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah, we don't really like that. And a lot of people have been making money off of the critical role brand. And I think they're just like, "Mm." and specifically I saw the coffee, uh, company and I forget their name. What was their name? Uh, I think I follow them on Twitter, but I don't remember, but, uh, they're a d and d coffee brand, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um they two of their brand labels are critical role fan art, and mm-hmm. so after this came out, they were like, we mm, we're just gonna stop doing that, so just so you know like, yeah, and so now they don't necessarily feel as comfortable having you know jester's wake up brand coffee <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever it was uh so I don't know it's it's kind of interesting, but they don't have a game system, they don't have, like, what Critical Role has is the characters they've created. And so if they can't protect those in some way, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and what if they don't agree with certain things? Not that they would, but, like, what if somebody's like, I'm gonna make a a Jester, like, pinup calendar or something, and they're like, "Ah, I don't feel like that's on par with the Critical Role brand, I don't want you to do that, you know? That really is their choice. So, it's interesting, a lot of people were upset that they, they took this as Critical Role was now forbidding fan content when fan content really built up this brand to what it is. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I did not uh, take it that way. Mm-hmm. I think that they're just trying to protect themselves from, from certain well there larger are companies people. that could take out them. Yeah,
1: there so. are definitely people that have made their living now based off of selling yeah. stuff to fans of Critical Role. Well, even, because fans of Critical yeah. Role want portraits, or they yeah. want costumes, or they want objects that they've seen on the show, and this person can make those, or they have the talent to make stuff like that and then sell it. So um, Jenny D got super I was just gonna say that, yeah, and was being like. sent to Gen Con as Jester
0: paid... You know, the whole well, and thing. she's and made she's calendars. She's done all kinds role. of stuff. Like she's, she's, she's in, she very much embodies Jester, and she does a really good job yeah. about it. But like her whole YouTube channel really exploded because of Jester, uh, and I don't know. I haven't read as thoroughly about this. If that's something that she can continue to do, yeah. I was but I definitely think that critical role. Like I know that Laura thought she was awesome. Like the oh yeah, the, yeah. I like they that. all love it. But right. uh, it. Yeah, it's a little odd.
1: But so. if you're all of a sudden starting paid to make appearances at places as that character, then Critical Role might want to have more of a say if somebody's doing that because she got paid to go to Gen Con
0: as Jester.
1: Well and hang out at Booths to advertise the booths.
0: Oh, I didn't know about that. But Yeah. Yeah. She was there at the year. I was year. like, if you're paid to go to Gen Con, like you're that's a personality thing. What I was thinking is like I've made a critical role calendar, which <laughs> yeah. is what she's done as Jester, and it's like you go and buy that. Uh, is that OK? Because you're yeah, using their intellectual property to sell mm-hmm. something that then critical role is getting zero. But out then
1: here's sell. the one that people I thought on Twitter started to jump on that I think also um, started to create a little bit of a ruckus, I guess, is that they were saying, how how would you like to do this is theirs? Oh, you're yeah. not allowed to use it. yeah. That. Is what they're saying. Well, you
0: can (laughs) trademark phrases. I don't really agree with that. You can try, but I'm pretty
1: sure Matt is not the original inventor of that
0: phrase. Now, maybe he's the one that trademarked it. (laughs) But what if you're what if you're saying I want to start? How do you want to do this coffee brand? And like you're just toeing the line of like, oh, I'll buy that because I know critical role. I think I mean all of this intellectual property is a mess. And uh, I should say, copyrights are a mess, not yeah, yeah. intellectual property. Because you would be like the copyright process, and saying, I'll be back, and nobody else can use that. And know? <laughs> knowing that, I—I I mean, I have a YouTube channel, and you get this a lot, where people are like, "How are you able to do this? How are you able to do this?" And it's like, honestly, because they nobody can decide except a judge in a court of law, and there aren't enough hours yeah. in the day for judges to, <laughs> to cover every piece of YouTube media that comes out. So. It's a really weird gray area if they want to come after you. The same thing with Etsy. The same thing with mm-hmm. other stuff. Mm-hmm. But looking at this uh, contract, it seems a lot is very similar to uh, um, to what Wizards of the Coast has done for D&D. Like, yeah. you can use this. You can use this. You can't put it behind a paywall. You can't do this. Like, you can't, you know? But I don't know. This is no different than, like, fan fiction of Jurassic Park in the 1990s. Sure. Like where they're like, am I allowed to sell this? It's not like, yeah, but I wrote I think, it, you know, so.
1: Yeah, and I think my my biggest concern is, or not concerned because who, who am I on, on the internet? Some dude on the internet. But it starts to lead to what I think is the <laughs> how overreaching. How do you want to brew this? Is what, yeah. That's the coffee yeah. brand. How do you want to brew this? That's perfect. That is uh, perfect. Like you know, Once we TM. get into how the music industry protects their properties, they're the extreme. They're like yeah. the Gestapo of "We will come after you." We, you yeah. have MP3s oh, you're humming that tune in the shower on your phone. Band. We're coming after you yeah. because that's ours. You didn't pay us to hum that tune. That's yeah. our tune. Yep, that's not even the the artist's tune. That's our tune that we have licensed, and we pay the artist some of it. Yeah, but we want our money, yeah. and we've got all the lawyers in the world to get it. Yep, that's what I always think when I see these when they start to start to clamp down on my IP. And securing it, I feel like that's the route you're starting to take. They're not there yet, and they're not doing that for that reason. But it feels like that's the road you start to get on, right? You start to get on. Then some lawyer is going to buy up the IP from Critical Role. They'll pay them a a fee for it, but it's theirs. And now you're dealing with some company that owns them. Columbia Records owns Critical Role or Amazon Industries owns Critical Role or something. And then you're dealing with their lawyers and stuff. So it's, I get it. You have an IP and you want to protect it. You know, you know, you want to make the money you can. Sometimes people just see that though. You're making millions and millions of dollars, and you're worried about this other person who's creating portraits, and they might make ten grand a year. Yeah, that's who you're going to lock down
0: on. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Like I, uh, I was just thinking there was. There's a lot of kickstarters that start out like, "Hey, we yeah. want to make." Uh, boy, this is not the best example, but it's the only one I can think of is they wanted to make GameCube controllers for Smash Brothers tournaments. Oh. And the Kickstarter blew up and then was yeah. gone immediately because and Nintendo shut. That uh, <laughs> Nintendo shut it, and Nintendo's Should big have. on this. They're like, no, thank you., yeah. but it was interesting. they were fine to make the controllers, but what the problem was is that they wanted to use the Smash Brothers logo. And they had Pikachu and and Mario on the yeah, controllers, the and locks, that was that yeah. was the deal breaker. Like if they had just made controllers, that would have been fine. But now you're a Kickstarter making millions of dollars off of Mario's face, and that's where it doesn't. Yeah, so I don't know, and I get it. It's uh, a sticky situation. We'll see, know. we'll see where it goes. I think we've talked about it enough. But uh, <laughs> Critical Role, they're doing stuff. It's it's For a thing. Sure. So, uh, Time for the Pathfinder report. Pathfinder. It's a podcast within a podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we're going to have Lucian Lucian tell us all about what's (laughs) happening with Pathfinder. Uh, Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, because a couple of shows ago, we brought up Pathfinder, and the audience seemed to say, yeah, we wouldn't mind knowing stuff about Pathfinder and what's going on over at Paizo. And it just so happened that Gen Con's this week, Paizo decided not to go as a company. They're usually a big, big, big presence at Gen Con. They buy some big floor space, and they sell lots of products at that um, during that show. But they did their um, keynote, and so they announced all the stuff they're doing from now until next Gen Con. Uh-huh. And a lot of times with game companies, especially TTRPG companies, they're not so centric on our year starts from January... To December, mm-hmm. I don't think that's how they see their year. I think they see their year as from Gen Con Super Announcement to Gen Con yeah. Super Announcement. That's like that's like their year, right? You know, like a, a not a fiscal year instead of a like a calendar year fiscal year. Um, so they had a keynote, and he got on there and he talked about Starfinder. He talked about Pathfinder Two, and all the products are coming out. So I thought I would bring a condensed version, maybe. Um, uh, Jordan can put the link in if you want to go see it on YouTube. It's not on Paizo's website. Yeah, yeah, I, I can it. put the link in.
0: Uh, where is Oh, the, the uh, YouTube yeah, video? It's right above there. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. I'll, so I'll put the YouTube video right. in the uh, show notes because so, you're watching well, YouTube right now. So don't watch another YouTube video. Watch this one. <laughs> don't do it. So, <laughs> Starfinder is
1: getting a book about mechs, um, a new book oh. that's coming out that has um, interesting mech stuff in it. Then, a book after that, they're introducing magic. And bringing it into the universe because they have said Starfinder is a science fantasy TTRPG. Yeah. And they have not focused a lot on the fantasy part. They've focused a lot on the science part. So they're bringing in the fantasy part of Starfinder. So they're going to have a magic book. Lots of classes. You know, um, some new classes have gotten announced for Starfinder. So you can go check those out. They had accessories, battle cards, spell cards, and more adventure paths that are going to be released bi-monthly. So I like this is again a comparison. One of the reasons we started talking about Pathfinder versus D anD D in my mind was I liked the comparison between how Wizards does it and Paizo does it. Mm-hmm. They're going to release their adventure paths, their adventure books bimonthly. So you, it's like clockwork. Then you know exactly what's going on. They're usually about ninety six pages long.
0: They're well, and a it's spanning, a over. It's an over. It's a larger story. It's just yeah like. Little snippets, and then you have all of these module books that you put together yeah. for a large, um, and yeah. large. And some are large, and some are ninety. Most of them are
1: ninety-six pages long, and then they might span five parts, six parts, ten yeah. parts, whatever it might be. And from a point
0: very smart because yeah. you're like you're not trying to do. I mean, you're like okay, we're going to focus on just this, release yeah. it, and then focus on just this, and. Uh, I understand why they're doing it, and it's kind of weird that Wizards is going this other route where I guess they mm-hmm. really want to sell you $50 books. So. Yeah.
1: So one thing I thought that was interesting, if you're into the Starfinder thing at the moment, the current adventure path they're running right now is their equivalent to Kingmaker. So if any of you are mm. fans of Pathfinder, you know Kingmaker was the big, you kind of are there to create a kingdom kind of thing. It was their way to... Uh, it was their type of adventure path that lets you start from the very beginnings and create a kingdom or a, or something like that. A, have a castle or have a, a fort or something. And almost like the Matt Coville you know, Strongholds and Followers kind of book. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, they have something called the Drift Crisis, where they're going to do a world-changing event. That's the way ships warp. I don't remember the term they use, but they have a term for how ships go from galaxy to galaxy or star system to star system, something happens to the thing that lets that happen. And it's a big world changing event for them. Almost. I was thinking like the spell plague for D D or a cataclysm of some sort. Yeah. Um, so for them, they're getting that big one also um, later in the year or starting in the early next year. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Then they mentioned Pathfinder Two E stuff. So the big book that's out right now, or they would have released at Gen Con For 2E would have been Secrets of Magic. Big magic book. Lots of spells, classes, archetypes, um, magic items and things. Yeah. Next thing up on their um, agenda after this one. You can buy it. I think that's the one you can buy right now. I believe you can go to your game stores and pick it up. Guns and Gears is next for Pathfinder 2E. They had it in Pathfinder. Now they're bringing the guns and gears and gunpowder stuff and clockwork mechanics and um, how you can play those things and add them to them. a couple more classes coming in that also. And then after that one, they're going to their first non-bestiary book, but it still revolves around a monster book, which is Book of the Dead. And they're going to do a deep dive on Undead. And in that book, they're so smart. I'm, I, we're missing the boat on Paizo here. Um, not only is it all about fighting Undead and all the Undead that exist out there and rules and mechanics that they have that go with them but they're also putting in rules to how to play undead. They're going to put Ooh. in some classes or archetypes that let you be an undead something. Um, or are uh, they're putting in, like, you can be a necromancer. You can be a lich. How do you play a lich in the game? You know, that's going to be in that book. So it's going to be player, some player-facing, lots of new monsters, lot, everything undead encapsulated in that. So pretty interesting. Those are all the big things that are coming out for those. Yeah, I also I saw that they
0: they announced Pathfinder Infinite, and which, now Pathfinder Infinite. Yeah, which is basically the DM's Guild of Paizo. Mm-hmm. So DriveThruRPG, RPG, who runs the DM's Guild, does that that whole website forum, is going to partner with Paizo, and now you can create and publish your own Pathfinder and Starfinder. Uh, it says adventures, character guides, bestiaries, and more. Like, it's really up to you.
1: Yeah, they're giving you um, art packs. They're yeah, and that's the big thing.
0: Like, that. you have all these free art packs that if you want to use them, then you can build uh, content for Pathfinder and Starfinder. And it'll look a little better because it has, like, actual art in it and things like that mm-hmm. is the idea. Uh, but that clearly this that business model must be working for... Uh, wizards and so they're just like we want to we should start yeah. that you know and, and i so, feel
1: like they also mentioned another company something called somebody called bookshelf bookshelf owned drive through rpg oh that's yeah. what it was bookshelf I, cause I hadn't that. heard that before yeah. okay that's okay, their so parent
0: that. company that they own a lot of things like they have a comic area and they have a lot of mm-hmm. other stuff but drive through rpg is for rpgs that's and then why i have jordan yeah. on the show he knows that, all this i know things, things. He just that's knows that's things. what i do <laughs> i talk on podcasts <laughs> and i know things
1: so that's cool um do you think now you you are in a dm's guild alumni right well or, no, no yeah, R- one drive through rpg no did you put on dm's guild or rpg dm's guild
0: because i used uh forgotten realms and stuff okay, like that so you i are didn't are have an to alumni. but yeah
1: one adventure that's done well as far as i can tell
0: yeah it's and very it's, well i think it's probably because of the youtube channel sure uh, i don't think it's like the most well-written thing that it rose to the top <laughs> which is the problem with the DMs guild is there's lots of really great stuff but yeah. there's no way to filter it out to see what's good and bad and the review system isn't really the best and stuff so mm-hmm. but but no i mean it's a dollar you can go get it for a dollar i get 50 yeah. cents anytime someone buys it you know so do so. we think
1: we might see a jordan pathfinder adventure uh, no, I don't know the system. No? <laughs> no. Like You do know the system. It's like a modified well, Dungeons & Dragons system. I it's mean, not that far off. I don't know. It's the same stats. It's AC. I, it's... I would
0: have to play a Pathfinder game or run one to really know what I'm building. So. Sure. Okay. I don't All know. Right. I'll go with it. I think I want to um, do uh, the vertical hex prowl before I start writing anything for Piso, but... <laughs> yeah. I feel like they mentioned
1: they are doing a... I didn't put it in my notes here, but I want to jump back to Pathfinder 2E for one second. Yeah. They've got a big city adventure coming, a la Tolis. Tolis. Mm. And the guy who does the keynote, the main guy that is is one of the writers at Paizo, one of the main creators at Paizo, he's like, I played for seven years in Tolis with Monty, Monty Cook. Cook. Okay, so he's like, "We're doing this. We're we're building a big one." Their book is also going to be huge. Lots of stuff in it, but they're also going to have versions of it for Pathfinder Second Edition. They're going to have versions of it for if you want to still play it in original Pathfinder. Yeah, they're going to do all, the, and they're going to do a five E version of it.
0: Really? Yeah, that's they are. They're, where, they're working the with a company is, you know? that so. will do a
1: five E version of that big adventure book for you know, a I, big town. I look at
0: Tolis as an example and uh, as much as Monty Cook probably wants to make all of these things just for Cypher System or the things that he's created uh, at the same time you know that it's going to sell better if it has that compatible with 5E sticker on it so and they know it well enough and so Something like Tolus, which, uh, boy, I was flipping through the PDF of that the other day because Judge James has been doing Tolus videos, and I'm reading. like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And then I was going through the PDF, and I was like, man, I I got to buy it. And I went, and oh, $130. I don't yeah. have to buy this. this it's is, a big deal. This is not good. <laughs> is I'll right? read the PDFs you already have. I bought uh, Worlds Without Number the other day. Oh, That's um, going to come in the mail soon, strictly for, like, world-building stuff, but it actually has a lot of... Uh, it is its own self-contained game, mm-hmm. but I wanted it for all of the world-building aspects of it. Uh, so yeah. I've been reading that, and I'm like, this is really good. I'm like, oh, man, Tolis. I want to build a Tolis, I think. Yeah, like, I want to build cool. a a city. I want Endegar to be that, you know? Like, I think
1: that would be really cool, yeah. but... Say this is sort of on topic but off topic too. Modifius just released a U.S. store, yeah, US store. yeah, so Go you can to, get all yeah. their books with a little bit cheaper, a yes. little bit less on this on the shipping. No longer am and I getting. They have a lot
0: of great <laughs> <Yes>. systems. Yeah, <laughs> my uh, wallet is going to be hurting. <laughs> Modifius I think, uh, yeah. but definitely check that out if you're in uh, North America because uh, boy, I I paid a lot to get Forbidden Lands over here from. Uh, yeah from Free League. Modiphius, they they sometimes sell Free League content. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was like, "Oh, where were you when I was shipping <laughs> like f- uh Forbidden Lands box sets from Sweden?" But yeah. there you go. Yeah, I keep looking at all the Star Trek Adventures yeah. stuff
1: that I want to get some books on. They've got um the other big one over there that I was thinking. They've got a Fallout D20 a 2D20 system that looks really good. Mm-hmm. They've got Conan over there, John Carter's on Mars, they've got Lots of really cool stuff. So they've got they have a, a lot of intellectual really...
0: property that they're then putting yeah. game systems on. Target, oh, Homeworld. So. That was Homeworld, the other. One. Yeah. I'm. I'm definitely buying Homeworld. Yeah, that, that. is in. Uh, that's in pre-production. Yeah. So it, or it it isn't out yet, but uh, yeah. you can reserve it. But yeah, Homeworld would be really cool. I'm. That might be the sci-fi game that that gets you in. Gets me into sci-fi games, but we'll yeah. see. I just really like the video game and the and the world of the video I love game the art. Uh, it's so good, but I don't know how. I don't know what I would play. Like, oh, I'm a yeah, space I got to marine. Book. I don't know, like, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that on game is all about. It'd be like playing a um a Starcraft RPG or something. Yeah, like yeah, I love Starcraft, be? but and I love the lore of Starcraft. But when I think about it, I'm like, what am I going to be? A, a zerg? A CV? Like, I don't know. I'm <laughs> an S C V. you be like guy. a little like, miner. How do you do it on a on a micro level when the whole game is about, about these macro. giant macro fights? So yeah. we'll see. But uh, Homeworld is just really cool. So.
1: Um, so. Before I had realized that there was going to be a big Gen Con announcement of all this news, I had to come up with what was I going to put on the show for Pathfinder. So I thought we might do a small, quick, condensed history lesson, if you, if you will. So I'm going to put my professor. Go right, go right uh, ahead. PhD of uh, yes. Pathfinder. So, um, the phd
0: The Pathfinder
1: phd Yeah, P-PhD. Yeah. book PPhD. <laughs> yep, the core book dropped in the summer of 2008. Nine. Oh, it's hot summer. Lots yep, of stuff yep. dropped Lots of year. stuff going on. So that's that's right at the... And remember, Pathfinder comes out when um, D&D 3.5 starts to run into people being not as happy with how the system's working. Or it's about that time. That's the time frame. Because Pathfinder starts to really get steam going when 3.5 is not giving people the thing they want. Or 3, 3rd editions not giving them what they want. And they start looking for these other games, and Pathfinder starts growing in popularity. The summer, Somewhere around tw- 2009, 2010, 2011, it starts to
0: yeah. build. Well, right? so 4th uh, Edition came out the summer of 2008. Oh, oh and that's when they hated so it. So it was a yeah. year later that they are like, <laughs> guys, we could build something. Uh, coincidentally enough... Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics released in 2012, I think. So, again, it was yeah, all that like... As a response. But I think they that. were they were building it and announcing it in 2009. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, the
1: last book that I could see... This is all from the wiki, so if there's anything wrong in our history lesson, we're going to blame wiki. Um, 2018 seemed to be the last non-adventure core book. So, they have their, their books are listed in core books, which are like monster manuals and rules books and class books and things about the world... Then they have their Adventure Paths books. Most of those are like a... um, Sometimes they're... Not all of them are hardcover. Mm -hmm. They only do the hardcovers if they put all of it together. But usually they're like a a softcover book. And then they had just a few campaign books. Which is very different than how Wizards of the Coast did theirs. Which I thought was a cool history lesson. So 2018 seems to be the last non-adventure book they do. And it's a Planar Adventures. So it's about going on the planes in Pathfinder. And you learn about... Mm -hmm. Plains, almost like a planescape style book for them. And that Manual was the last the planes, one yeah. that we see. Um, core wise, they have 28 core books oh. that they had released over that 2009 to 2018, 146 adventure path books. The smallest number of pages in any one of those was 96 pages which is the average of most of the adventures, but a few of them are four or 500 page books, just like the original core book was 576 pages. Can you imagine D&D broke theirs up basically and said, here's the three books you need to play. Or they used to say that, right? Dungeon Master's Guide, Player's Handbook, and then you, know, you would have your monster manual. Those are the three things you kind of would want to have. And That's so, the base game, yeah. And I think that's what Pathfinder's 576 pages is. It's the GM guide, it's the player's guide, and it's basically a monster gazette in there enough that you can take that book and you can play everything you need to play. But they they have been known, Paizo has been known, for big books, right? And I think Wizards of the Coast has gone to 200, 300-page books. They don't like to go into the four, 500-page book
0: releases from what i can tell Um, i think they realized too and i i wonder if paizos realized this that uh you know you make 500 pages worth of content and that's cool and it looks awesome on a shelf but like how many people play that so like why are we making all of this stuff that nobody's actually playing yeah. Uh, and I think Wizards realized that, and they were just like, why don't we just, I don't know. But but I do like this idea of adventure paths, and I'm kind of surprised that Wizards doesn't do that. Because yeah. I, I mean, would love little modules that I could run, you know. Right. Not and anthology, like multi-part. I don't want all of Candlekeep, but I want like this and this. But I guess that's what the DM's Guild is for. I don't know. Like, yeah. So just a different way they're doing
1: it. Definitely yeah. a different approach that they're taking. 146 adventure path books. So let's yeah. say you're a, you're looking to get into tabletop role-playing and you're like, I'm going to pick Pathfinders. I've heard it's popular. It's good. D&D's good. This one's good. You can start at book one and you have 145 more Adventure Path books to go through. Well, you're filled up. <laughs> and then you're lot. not even into second edition yet. Um, the last piece of that is they did do two other campaign world books. Um, there was like a Wild Sea book and there was another one. But that was it. So... What I found interesting in all of that was they like to do adventure paths that have multiple parts to them. Um, and so you're, you're playing in sequence or you can play in sequence. They didn't like to release a lot of new campaign books. We get a lot of campaign books worlds for D&D, right? We're not only in just sort of Forgotten Realms. We get a lot of different stuff from them. So there's a different philosophy for them, too um during that that phase. Now we're into, you know, 2E stuff and they're redoing that now and 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 Starfinder's out. But I thought it was interesting to see that was first edition Pathfinder, that was the route they took. That was the if you want to get into it, what you have available to you. You could go out and get 28 core books. You can go out and get 146 adventure paths. You can go out and get two other campaign worlds out there. Who knows how much player content's out there that you could find somewhere and i bet a lot of these you could find in your local game store for like half price, quarter price because people go in and trade it in, get credit and buy something else. Like at my game store, i can go through the boxes of old rpg books and pick them up. Like i picked up Warhammer, that way first edition Warhammer i got for like 15 bucks when originally yeah. it sold for like 50, right? So,
0: i don't think um, my i don't think my com- my game store buys that. I don't no. think they do that. You have to find one that does. Well, it, they I know buy there's old... a half price books. They'll buy old books, and I found a lot of old RPGs there. I found a James Bond RPG there. I was oh, like, "What? Go. This is so cool!" Yeah. Pierce Brosnan's face on the cover. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if I don't think my game store buys used art. They probably do, and I just don't know. They have a huge like Magic the Gathering catalog area of old cards, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't
1: know. So that's our history lesson for today. That's our news. What's happening now, um, Jordan? What kind of games did you play over oh. this
0: last week? Yeah. Um. What did I play? I played. Well, we played <laughs> our game of uh, uh, Nellaloom, which is the uh, game oh. that uh, Dungeon Master uh, Nathan is running, Nathan? and that one I switched from a. I switched I didn't like my monk. I didn't like that. So we talked about that and I asked him if I talked. S- did we talk about that I on show? I don't know if we did or not. Well, okay, here's the story. Uh I was playing a monk of the four elements and kind of focusing on water and I just did not like this character. And so the more mm-hmm. I was playing it, I'm like I don't feel like I have an investment in the story. I don't like any of it. So I didn't think they captured
1: an elemental monk very well in the rules. Yeah, the and that was the other I agree thing with
0: like you. Playing the monk, I was really excited for this uh, in my mind, but the actual mechanics of it, I was like, this is yeah. this is not as much fun as I want it yeah, to you, be. Yeah, you want Avatar um, Airbender.
1: You want Naruto. You want that kind yeah. of stuff. And it's so, just, there's no rules for it.
0: So I looked at my hu- huge amount of... Uh, <laughs> fun characters. Characters that I build just because I'm like, I want to play this. And one of them was uh, a tiefling... Uh, bard who is basically kind of like a a mage assassin Ooh. so the idea is that um, and then I worked with with Nathan to be like well hey this is kind of what I'm going for can I uh, put this character in and so uh, and I, and it's the first time I'm playing a, a girl character I've, I've always played guys but I was like oh no I really feel like she's part of this like sisterhood of, of anti-wizards and they're trying to get these wizards to go away So uh, she's a bard, but a lot of her magic is to thwart other spellcasters. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, like, I've got silence, uh, zone of truth, things like that where she can kind of, like, uh, manipulate. And then uh, for magical secrets, I think I'm going to either take counterspell or uh, one of the paladin smites so that I actually can, like, go in and attack. Blindness, deafness would be a
1: good one. I have that
0: one. So uh, she's very, like, anyway... So I'm playing a new character uh, and her name is Rubri and Rubri is now powering around with these people because uh, she's hunting an evil wizard that is working for uh, or is worshiping probably this malevolent entity that these guys are kind of in in with. So I have a reason to actually like pal around with them, which is good. Uh, We got on a ship. uh, I think I told this last week that we, got pulled over by the Modron Spelljammer police, and they said we were going uh, 12 demiplanes a second when we need to be going at a minimum, or we need to go no max higher than 10 demiplanes a second. It was just (laughs) funny. So we had to go to Modron Court. We got out of that, uh, and now we're back in the, the people I'm with, their home plane, which turns out to be the Feywild. They call it Nellaloom, but we're now learning that it's the Feywild, and that's where they're from. And so I'm investigating this area now with them, trying to figure out how to find that wizard. Uh, it was fun. It was it was fun. So that game happened. Uh, I'm was going to start DCC Hot Springs tonight, uh, but with my sick little boy, I don't know if I'm going to do that because I need to just devote time to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's interesting. A lot of people are on the internet. Asking me lately, and I don't know what the resurgence has been, but they're just like, When is Rod of Seven Parts coming back? And I'm like, I don't know. So we were talking about maybe starting that up again could be a lot of fun. So I secretly think Ted
1: has been sending all of his viewers messages to say, Hey, he might be Go Bug Jordan.
0: <laughs> go, we need to do it. Uh, it's it's been back. fun. And I finally got the whole episodes, all, all of them on uh, Patreon. So if you want to do podcasts, they're on there. Nice. Um, but you can always listen to him on YouTube uh, on Ted's channel, Nerd Immersion Plays. Uh, and so I don't know. There was talk of doing that again. Um, but, and and this will be a, so I recorded a video last night and I want to talk about it really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucian, you playing in Dungeon of the Mad Mage with ACK, Inc. Mm-hmm. Rules got me thinking about Rod of Seven Parts, uh, where that was kind of like a, skeleton framework like you need to go find these parts of the rod and put them together and then that'll solve your problem or something but mm-hmm. you don't really know why it's like a fetch quest kind of thing but yeah. because of that framework i was able to put it uh anywhere i wanted i'm like okay well all you have to do is find a rod so like i i could literally do any kind of Indian thing i adventure. want yeah. <laughs> and yeah. if there's a rod at the end of it there was a reason for you to do it so i i and then I was also watching World Builder Bob or Bob World Builder, his channel, and he was talking mm-hmm. about, he, he released a video recently that said, here are the books I recommend that you buy for 5e. Oh. And I was thinking of all of those different adventures. So the video I recorded last night that I'm going to release either today or tomorrow once I get a thumbnail done uh, is about, can you take Acquisitions Incorporated and use that uh, that framework of I the the head office is sending you out to do something. You're out to create a franchise. That's the whole premise. Exactly. Um, But you're going to incorporate the major events of all of the Sword Coast adventures that have been released by Wizards of the Coast so far. So it's like, we need you to go here for Storm King's Thunder. We need you to go to the Underdark for Out of the Abyss. We need you to go over here to Chult to grab something. You got to head up to Icewind Dale. Then there's a problem in Waterdeep. (laughs) And then there's this. And so I was thinking about this, and I was like, I think that's a really cool idea. And I kind of created this, like, this, I don't know, Frankenstein monster of an adventure Mm -hmm. where you're working for Ack, Inc., and you get to see the majority of the Sword Coast. I thought Mm -hmm. that'd be a lot of fun. So that's kind of what I was working on last night. <laughs> it was <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, that's about it. I'm probably going to have to cancel my game tonight, uh, and I'll just read a bunch of more books and be extra prepared for tomorrow. But uh, what did what did you do with your wonderful um, week of gaming? We also had
1: um, we have we had one player that's still feeling under the weather. Actually, is battling cancer, so we're, we're all been super sensitive to their needs and their schedule because you know we want to make sure they're healthy they pull through and we don't want to put a lot of undue pressure on them because we want to play you know a role-playing game so we didn't have our game but that allowed me to work more on the thing we had talked about last week where i wanted to create a filler that we could do on those nights when not everybody can be there but we could just use the people that are there so even if it's one or two people that can stay and want to stay and play what could we play what could we do that are these nice contained one shot kind of night things and so I picked this uh, fall of Delta Green system that I've been reading about the Gumshoe system we talked about um, last week. There it is, and I've been create and I started getting super excited about creating this fall of Delta Green. What does Delta Green look like in the in the 2000s now? Um, the fall happens in my mind in the 80s. Delta Green has gone away, and things have been dormant. You know that they kept in check for about 20 to 30 years. And things have started to realize, wait a minute, Delta Green's not there to keep us hiding in the caves. Delta Green's not there messing with our operations and shutting us down. And now they can start to grow and expand. And what does that mean? And what even are they? or who is? And I thought that was an interesting thing to say, here's where the campaign starts. Something reactivates the Delta Green protocol and starts to create this thing that's going to battle that which lives in the shadows right that that the mainstream media doesn't know about kind of thing the regular world doesn't know vampires exist or werewolves are actually out there or cthulhu monsters come from out of the ocean and destroy Mm -hmm. towns they don't know any of that right so um i just thought it was interesting so i got to really it was exciting to be able to create and you had mentioned it was like a week or two ago you had been working on your adventure and it might have been the dcc hot springs to get ready for it and you just kind of typed in discord man it feels good to be creating again it feels good to be thinking out what am i going to do with the players and what are some some plot strings and what are some things i can create that are going to be really fun and i agreed i was like man we've been playing a lot this year we've been
0: players of games a lot this year yeah more than i've ever played ever like yeah i'm just ready to get back
1: to running the games you know my mind is really kicking it off and i think it started with when we were talking about the cliff and how that had started getting my creativity going and then now i'm looking at systems and how to build and use different systems and um so now it's just flowing again i feel like it's it's really close to to cooking off so it felt great and i'm playing a bunch of pathfinder wrath of the righteous game it's surprisingly really good. I've got five playthroughs where I'm doing five different characters. That's so And funny. what I do is I do my main one all the way up through a certain part where there's a, a decent checkpoint. And I'm like, all right, that was super cool. Now let me go back with this character and go through that checkpoint. You know, this character that, with that reminds
0: checkpoint. me of when I played Neverwinter Nights where I like got all the way to Act 2 and I found a Druid Grove. And they're like, oh, well, you can't do anything here because you're not a Druid. And I like yeah. stopped the game and started a druid over <laughs> druid. and played the whole thing again so I could understand. I'm like, and then you get like I don't know a cool cloak or something, and I was like, ah, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> yeah,
1: but these character classes are fun and interesting and played differently. And even though some of the stuff is the same, some of the fights do different things. Sometimes you find some something else you didn't find before. Um, you can take different dialogue trees yeah. that can affect the game. So. I'm having fun playing these different classes and characters. I've got a cavalier, I've got a wizard, I've got a witch, I've got a kineticist. Um, I'm just playing all the things and having fun. So yeah. it's been really fun. I've streamed a couple of nights of it. I'll probably stream some more this weekend of it. Um, play the witch up. I've been doing the witch playthrough on the stream, so that's been cool. Hex based magic, and
0: I'm about yeah, to get to. I was going to was try level, and catch so one of your streams. Cool. Yeah, um, I might if I don't actually run. My game tonight. I might stream, uh, like a session prep, and just kind of talk yeah. about it and stuff. That I could think be a about lot that fun. too. My Delta so.
1: Green. I wanted to do. A, I almost streamed that where I was. What's cool about a modern day one too is that you can Google Map places. Like I looked up where is the forensic office in Kentucky and in Michigan, and then like I looked it up, and there's like three main offices used for a forensics lab in my state and then in kentucky there was like two or three and i was like it's so cool to look up weird things and then i started getting worried though because i'm like i wonder what google thinks i'm doing now that i'm looking up this weird stuff government's <laughs> using coming after you google searches about where do they store nuclear weapons you know or something like that that's relevant to a game i'm planning to play but that may not look that that search doesn't tell you I'm planning a TTRPG. The government just thinks, "Why is this guy looking up nuclear waste dump management
0: or something?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, so fun! Yeah, but I that was man, I love I love prepping games. I love running them. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And we we always talk about how
1: excited you get for a new game. You know, uh, so, the start yeah. of a new campaign is the best. The
0: best. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go find you some check lunch. On your son. And go take care of the boy. He's sleeping. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming yes. out. Uh, thanks for letting me test out my new webcam. Maybe I'll zoom in a little bit more so it's not just this like hyperspace where I'm. I've got you around. zoomed in on mine a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm way zoomed <laughs> out over here. So uh, we will see you guys next week with another mm-hmm. episode. A uh, friend of the show, Silver Boulet might be here. Okay, uh, we'll cool. talk about that, um, and I'll get my overlays done so we can actually have a, a guest. <laughs> Uh, anything else before we need to take off sir? that's it everybody have a wonderful time yeah. keep an eye on I've been posting
1: on discord and twitter if I'm gonna jump on and stream I'm not like trying to schedule anything I'm just like hey I'm jumping in come join me just like yeah. Jordan will do a lot of times too like just check twitter and check the discord it's like hey I'm gonna jump in I'm gonna start doing stuff so if you wanna you wanna jump
0: in with us just keep an eye on that yeah for sure uh, we'll see you guys next week uh, take care Bye-bye.